Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 228, and I had a conversation with Dr. Roland Cochran. He is an executive coach, a physical therapist. He's got his PhD in that, and he's uh, (laughs) what I like to call a recovering perfectionist, uh, practicing perfectionist. You know how it is. Or maybe you don't know how it is, but you're going to find out because you're going to listen to this episode and learn all about Roland. Really great guy. We have some cool philosophical conversations as tends to happen on this show. And he has lived many lifetimes in his lifetime. And he talks about all his different transitions uh, from career to career and what he was seeking and how he feels now about that whole experience. I know I'm speaking sort of on the outskirts of what the conversation is, but that's because I don't want to give anything away. So looking forward to you hearing this episode. I really enjoyed it, and Roland is delightful. I think you're going to enjoy it too. We do talk about Trump during this episode, and I want to make it clear that I find Donald Trump abhorrent on a lot of levels and that I struggle to find empathy for him because I try to find empathy for everyone. And... It's tough. He makes it tough, for sure. I also want to make it clear that I think everyone is responsible for their actions, even those of us who have been traumatized as kids. Um, I think it's important to seek help and to not uh, not to continue the cycle by hurting others. Now, that's easier said than done, of course, and everyone's on their own journey. But when you're responsible for 330 million people, I think that there is a greater responsibility to deal with your stuff, (laughs) to heal, uh, or heal to the point where you aren't taking out your traumas and your psychopathies on other people. That's my humble opinion. Next week's episode, I have a conversation with Medal of Valor recipient Eric Jones, an extraordinary man and a really delightful conversation. Looking forward to you hearing that one. And then the following week after that, I have a conversation with Serena Davidson, and she's a former Jehovah's Witness, and she talks about her life now and the things that she's moving toward, uh, who she is compared to who she was, you know, all the good human-y stuff. So definitely tune in for that as well. Usual stuff, social media, Hey Human Podcast can be found on Facebook and on Instagram. Susan Ruthism, S-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M for social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's my personal stuff. Also, you can check out SusanRuth.com if you want to know anything about anything that isn't Hey Human related. And you can also sign up for the mailer there. We still do mailers here in whatever century I'm from. Uh, what else? We got Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. If you want to email me, please do. Uh, the HeyHumanPodcast.com website has got a links page with information about every episode, books and movies and articles and uh, our guest information, all sorts of stuff. So definitely check that out. I curate it very carefully so that you can go right to it and get tons of wonderful information. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to help support Hey Human, you can do it two ways. One, you can go to the Contribute 
section of the heyhumanpodcast.com website, or there's a merch page now. Whoop, whoop. You can get leggings or hats or face masks or notepads and notebooks or pencil cases, whatever, all Hey Human related. And in some cases, my artwork and or um, photography of me, including the body painting image that I made with Cheryl Ann Lipstro. So if you don't know what that is, definitely go check out the merch page so you can see it. If you're a voting age and you haven't registered to vote, please register for to vote. And if you have registered to vote and you're a voting age and you live in the United States of America, please vote. Super important. Let your voice be heard. Let your voice be heard. Very important. Also a reminder to anyone who hasn't done their census, uh, that lives in the United States. The census is very important. This is not, I mean, not being paid by them or anything. I did my census, but it's how everybody gets counted and everybody is accounted for. And that's important because every voice matters and it makes a difference of where funds go, federal funding goes and that sort of thing. So definitely, definitely, definitely do your census. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this. Take care of each other. Thank you for listening. Uh, be kind, be good, help each other out, and here we go. Jess, you know all too much about, uh, yeah, basically, tw- I mean, you know, it's an Airbnb. For yeah. three years, it was on, like, the cover of magazines saying, you know, buy an Airbnb here. But, yeah, they changed the laws big time now, so everyone's upset because they can't sell it for the cash flow. They have to sell it at a regular house price because yeah. you they can't sell it as an Airbnb because yeah. the second it transfers ownership, they're not grandfathered anymore. Yeah. So the next person, so mine right now is an Airbnb. She can't sell it as an Airbnb, but because it's going to be my primary residence, I can Airbnb it because it's an owner occupied because I don't have another home. That's the only home I own. So I still get to, but they've tightened up on it a ton. I think it, it makes me sad because I, Portland has changed tremendously yeah, because I grew of up that in reason. Seattle, so. That's oh, you know, talk, I mean, Seattle probably changed more than Portland. Now. Crazy. <laughs> so crazy. And our mayor uh, at the time, Megan Berry, who had to step down for uh, all sorts of things, but uh, she had taken a lot of money from the hotels and things in order sure. to pass some laws. I mean, it was pretty shitty to be honest mm-hmm. so oh sure it's well i mean it's sad because you know that one little hundred thousand dollar bribe affects the community for so maybe much. forever yeah and so it's much. it's um but you know you can't escape that i remember when i first started traveling i spent almost a full year in italy and their corruption's almost worse it's funny talking to the italians they're you know you for whatever reason, you know, I was telling myself a story that it was an American thing. And yeah, you go over there and they're like, no, I mean, it's just politics I mean, everywhere. It's politics <laughs> is corrupt, period. I think it's a yeah. full stop sentence, really. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. And, it, and if you look at, I mean, it's happening all over the world. Uh, it, oligarchies and dictatorships are really more the norm now than anything. And to be yeah. fair, America is a republic they were given the idea of democracy but it's never really been it's like parents saying that the household is a democracy (laughs) and the kids are like but we have rights and the parents are like we make you maybe yeah exactly but you don't really have rights well and it's always so comical for me because of my my political views lean towards 
kind of libertarian, basically, just as free as the people can be, sure. because I really do have faith that we will take care of um, one another. You know, I, I spent 2018 in Medellin, Colombia, and they have to take care of each other because yeah. it is there's the police are untrustworthy. The government's untrustworthy. And so the sense of community is almost stronger than anywhere I've ever been. And so I really do believe that when the when the people actually are empowered, they will choose the right thing. I um, think, I think if so. they got rid of the internet, <laughs> sure, truth. the internet is just such a haven for, um, it's really empowered bully serotonin. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was thinking about this actually last night. Uh, I thought, you know, I bet you, and I have no science to back this up, I haven't started researching it, but I'm going to, that it's my guess that the people who post the things on either side of all the, the hates, the hateful things and the rhetoric and the, ah, they're releasing a dopamine in their brain and almost to the extent of how, if you're not the bully, if you're the kids next to the bully, how you feel empowered and juiced up when the bully is, is behaving the way the bully well, is. Well, it, 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 it's funny you say that because as a coach and someone who has transitioned from pain, still experience a lot, just to be honest, I don't have a good reason why, but I just, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain a lot of time for whatever reason, just my psychology and um, worldview. But the, it's interesting you say that because when you write it on a computer and um, post it, you it becomes a way to feel better, I suppose. And so it becomes, yeah, when you, when you, instead of actually making a difference or engaging in a healthy dialogue, it now becomes a... It's a placebo yeah. power feeling. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's and, 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 and you're totally correct in the serotonin and power comments that you made because, um, I mean, this election was a prime example of the frustration. I mean, it was that everyone was like shocked, appalled, and I was like, I wasn't that shocked because I, I was like, honestly, yeah. yeah, I was like, honestly. This is a heartbeat of, especially my generation. So I'm 31. There is not a soul. Well, there's a few souls, but well, I'm not going to say a soul because they might look like they're happy with whatever, but they're equally as pissed off as everybody else. But my generation is pretty pissed. I mean, we don't, I don't think we feel like anyone's thinking about us at all i mean I, th I think we are we're pretty upset and um, I, the I closest thing we had was bernie sanders right <laughs> i think that people have finally realized that oz is not what oz pretended to be sure exactly yes it's 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 we bought into it and we feel and that's why i think my generation feels even more slighted because we were lied to by our parents that everything was going to be okay if we just you know just borrow it yeah it's two hundred thousand, but just it's okay just borrow it and you'll get a better education and so we were told this story um and then we've been told a lot 
lot of stories from politicians around how we're going to make it easier on you if you vote for us. And then it's continuously gotten harder and harder and harder since I've heard them say, vote for me and I'll make it easier. Because then all I see them do is student loans are at an all time high. And all I see is tax breaks and things going to whatever. So it really doesn't matter who wins. They still give tax breaks to the same freaking people because it's just how it works. But it's, yeah, like we don't know who to trust because our parents lied to us by accident. Um, our or teachers on, lied to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or on purpose. Yeah. You know, our teachers in school lied to us. Teachers in college lied to us. And so here we are in incredible debt. And it's just like, but then we've also haven't been taught how to think either. So we're in debt angry and no one taught us how to process our inner being our inner worth our, our brain and monetize it that was almost not allowed it was follow the rules and get a little trinket if you're lucky and so now we have to think for ourselves for the first time and it's um a lot of people don't know how to do it yeah yeah i've witnessed a lot of that uh, the results of i believe the term is helicopter parenting and <laughs> yeah. and has now produced a, a lot of adults who really aren't sure how to function with their own, uh, I would say even their own intuition, uh, <laughs> critical thinking, uh, not being taken by, you know, in by the masses, because really from a young age, we're programmed to be programmed. <clears throat> by everything around us, what we see uh, in television and movies and the politics and the talking heads, we're really saying the same thing, right? All the way across the board. I find it fascinating, but it is a bummer. And then I wonder, it's, hasn't, it's every, fascinating. hasn't every generation, and I know we're, we haven't even gotten, you know, <laughs> but isn't every generation probably going to say that they had the same thing? I mean, I imagine in the 50s, during the Cold War, there was the, that whole group of people that came to be, the, the people that came back from war who were disillusioned by a country who was supposed to support it, you know, support them and didn't, you know, in the beginning of uh, the, the, the drug in the influx of, of you know heroin and opioids to try and relieve the the PTSD and the pressure and the all of that and what that turned into. So I think it's a generation of parents yeah. that were totally checked out. Well, I think you're I think you're I think you're spot on. I think honestly, it's always been something. It just looks like a lot more now because of the computer and the internet and the communication and but honestly it's like yeah we have a lot more problems coming at us faster than maybe 20 years ago but we also have a lot of solutions to solve our problems pretty freaking easily so it's like yeah we have a lot more but i would say we're also way more resourceful so i think you're right i think honestly every generation has been faced with the same freaking nonsense and it's just it just is now coming faster now because we i can solve my problems I, I don't need to go shopping and asking around for friends i can literally go online and buy the best of whatever it is in a matter of seconds yeah um and, and you don't have to great think return policy. because there's other people <laughs> out there thinking for me and yep. to your end the idea of the the brother and sisterhood of mankind is usurped by 
this weird tribalism that is now online. So whereas you might go outside and meet your neighbor and your neighbor says, hey, I'm baking cookies. Do you have any eggs? I'm out of eggs. And you say, sure, here you go. And then they bring you cookies. Whereas online, I'm told my neighbor is the devil because they have this sign or that sign in their front yard or whatever it is. And that's such a carefully uh, curated thing i think i know that sounds very conspiracy theorist but i do think that that's curated because it is sure how do you control a populace other than this way infighting well, it's, is the perfect it's, way. It's, it is it's the way it's the reason and the deeper you get into this kind of work that i know you're you're in uh, involved in too and it's however you want to approach it tons of different approaches but it's all the same thing as just uh, awareness essentially i mean that's really what it comes down to and you're absolutely correct it's like it's, uh, it, it, it has to be you know my i grew up in an extremely religious household um, a mormon family and um yeah just it, i never bought it it just seemed like a lot of just seemed like a lot of rules to kind of maintain order. It really didn't, no one was empowered to be anything. It was, let's be as peaceful as we can on our time on earth so that we can live a different life later, right? It's not this like, oh, let's do magnificent things now. It's more so, um, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's perfectly stated. It's it's interesting (laughs) to think, uh, I can be a dick because now in this life because I'm going to be absolved of that uh, in my in my final resting heaven and there everything can be perfect and wonderful. It's like well maybe try and make this place heaven if you can. I mean if it's at all possible. I had an experience. I have um, a grove of grape vines growing at the end of my driveway, and uh, you know grape leaves are delicious to eat as are grapes. And there was this old woman that I, I would watch every morning. She would come uh, along and would stop and look around cautiously. And I'm talking, it's a huge, 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 huge vine. And, uh, or many vines. And she would pluck the leaves and tuck them in her bag and look around. Like she was doing something terrible. And uh, one day I came down the driveway, I said, hello. And she looked terrified. She thought, oh my God, this woman's gonna scream at me. And I said, oh, do you make domas? You know, the grape leaves, stuffed uh, grape leaves. And she, she, she nodded all scared. And I said, well, take what you want. I mean, there's so much here. And she seemed so surprised by that. And I thought, man, we live on a planet that produces food, period. You know, why would you not want to make sure everybody got to eat something? Well, and look at the coaching world and even even authors, music. I mean, there's there's these certain industries where, I mean, there's always competitive people sure. in every industry. And I think but you look at healthy, it creates. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, but it, you know, it's, it's the more abundant your mindset, it's, uh, you get the, I, yeah, I guess I just don't understand why you being friends or collaborating or doing an interview with another, in my case, business coach, why that would, I've only made more and more money the more people I've known and the more stuff I've shared with other people. They're, 
entering the economy of just trying to be help and be resourceful would solve so many of our problems it's 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 the abundance versus less than mentality so if you operate in your life with this and it's not easy to do every day oh my god things can really get abysmal out there but what if it is all make-believe Well, I think it is. I mean, I think all of this is a huge, giant projection. And my goal is to, the only reason I make money now is because I need it to continue my um, journey I'm on. Because the second that I start running out, I now need to do awkward, weird stuff with my time that I don't want to do that will slow my journey down. And so it's like, okay, I need to maintain yeah. my resourcefulness so that I can continue the 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 unveiling the the hypnosis if you will. Yeah, when you're working from a place of abundance then I think that's really the difference between self-sabotage and and not because when you're working from a place of less than you maybe just don't notice the opportunities when they <clears throat> show themselves cuz sometimes they're whispering they're not screaming in your ear it's very subtle and if you are operating in this closed down space it's very hard to notice those sorts of things you know let's get into it yeah yeah absolutely let's start Roland Cochran welcome to Hey Human (laughs) yeah we've been uh, talking for a while now but uh it's it's nice to meet you yes (laughs) thank you for coming out and uh, I appreciate that you're on the show yeah, absolutely. I am happy to be here. Tell me about you. Where where are your humble beginnings? Where do you come from? So I come from Portland, Oregon. Um, and it, at the time we lived south and um, we moved there because we uh, couldn't afford to live closer to town. And so there was this new... It was the furthest south suburb, and it was on the bus line. So my dad um, hopped on the bus and took the bus to work so that we could uh, minimize the use of one car. And it was a small town. I really uh, did enjoy growing up there because the and I took it for granted, but there's so much value in a... There's so much value in a small town that you don't realize. And uh, now spending more time in big cities, um, yeah, I, I, I miss that sense of community because the bigger the city gets, the more opinions you have, the more feelings get hurt, and um, you're not always working on the same team, especially nowadays. So um, it was a good, it was, it was a, I didn't know how special it was, but it was a good upbringing. And you, you mentioned Mormon. Uh, so you grew up in a faithful home. Yes, was that uh, absolutely strict? Because I, I mean, I, I have Mormon friends, and and it's a, you know, it's an interesting. I think there's a lot of misinformation around the Mormon religion, for sure. Yeah, it's um, to me being not really religious now. I'm more of a spiritual, I guess you would call it. Um, I really don't look at their religion as any different than any other. I mean, it's all this concept of believing a uh, teaching of uh, some sort of existence that happened on the world at some point in time. And it's this framework of how to find um, 
your way back into heaven or some similar thing. I mean, it's really all the same. So it's so funny to me when people have something negative to say because it's like, hey, man, you're saying guy was walking on water and making fish and stuff. It's all as somebody who's not associated to one particular religion. I'm kind of accepting of all ideas. Um, to me, they all sound equally as hard to believe. I mean, they're all a series of um, transcendent stories of things that we have to just take their word for it because it didn't happen during a time now where anyone can videotape it right so yeah yeah it was a a lot of good values in terms of being debt-free strong family um, values valuing relationships um, valuing others and being uh, patient so there was a lot of good stuff that came out of it but um, I felt judged constantly and that's just not a good feeling as a kid judged by the family or just everybody everyone everyone because i mean if that's the only way to heaven then not doing it makes you like you're i mean you're not going to heaven so imagine growing up with that as a as a child um you know i at the time i don't i was so young i don't remember i just i remember being in pain the pain started right around like nine years old and yeah it never really stopped i've i've I'm making more sense of it now later, but um, not feeling seen, not feeling heard, not feeling like I matter. I mean, that sensation has been there my whole lifetime, right? Are you talking emotional pain or did it manifest in a physical pain? No, emotional for me, luckily. I, you know, As a physical therapist, a doctor of physical therapy, uh, that was my first job. Um, some it does manifest physically sometimes um and it's and that's extremely hard no luckily mine was well luckily or unluckily i guess however you want to say it mine was emotional right i mean just uh, being being scared of um being alone being scared of too much space wanting wanting attention and appreciation right because if you if the perception is that you don't matter and you're going to go to hell anyways it makes you really have to get worldly appreciation and attention uh, constantly because if you're going to hell, this is all I got is this time right now on earth, you know? So, so growing up, yeah, I, I, I wasn't getting that approval or attention from the people, leaders in the church and from parents and things like that. So I had to get it from the world, unfortunately. Did you have an epiphany that, that, brought you into that understanding or was it a slow grow so i think great question so i i think there's definitely personality and things woven into your dna okay so I maybe denied that for as long as i could i look back now and yeah i was just born with a very strong pronounced gene that said you will matter you will achieve and so a uh, very strong from a young age i just knew things would be things would work out i would i would matter i would do something um, big and so i my DNA wouldn't accept it. I could not. These people telling me that I needed to do something different, um, that I wasn't good enough the way I was, I just 
it still hurt, but I guess it was, all right, well, I'm going to have to find my way, own way. And so I did. I mean, I, I, at age nine, I stopped trusting. I have a great relationship with my mom and dad. Very great, strong family relationship. They are so loving and helpful. I'm, I'm here because of their love and support. Um, but I stopped trusting them. I mean, at nine, I literally was like, I am not listening to one word you say. And I behaved. I didn't get in trouble. I was a, I was a good kid. I was very responsible, um, even through high school, very responsible. Um, but I didn't believe anybody. It was like, I'm not going to trust you. Your life doesn't look like I want my life to look like. So why would I listen to you? <laughs> That's a lot of wherewithal for a nine-year-old. Yeah, I don't know where it came from. As I said, it had to be DNA. It just had to be me looking around and thinking, these people, it's not TV. This guy is in, he has two boats, one that's a two-seater and one that is a yacht. He's got a massive house. And I saw it drove by these people's homes. Um, There's a a part of town that was um, just north of us that, yeah, I mean, these people existed in life. And so, yeah, to see, to hear that I need to do all these other things and that this life of, um, this designed life of joy that is here on today's earth, not the afterlife, where I have to bank on things being good out there, but I can live a a really peaceful, um, meaningful existence here today. Do you have siblings? Yes, older brother, younger sister. Are they of the same mindset as you, or...? No, 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 no. So my brother, I don't know, his DNA got, we'll see, shorter than us, too. It looks different, so maybe milkman baby, I don't know. Um, (laughs) So he takes after a lot more like my mom, a lot more um, content with... um, following the rules i guess um and it's fine i don't there's nothing wrong with that hey, hey my mom are at peace um they really are they're, they're not sometimes they're not i envy of, that to be honest yeah i i envy it i think i think that played into who i am today it made me work harder because it was like the harder i worked the more anxious and more angry i was and so i think i did i envied their peace i did um and then my sister, now nah, she's got a lot more of me and me, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fire. <laughs> you chose to go, did you go to Brigham Young? I know that's. that's no, my, no, none of us did actually. We all went to Oregon State University, all the, the beavers, not the ducks. Everyone always, everyone always is like, go ducks. And I'm like, yeah, different, uh, different school. It's <laughs> close. It's in the same state. Uh-huh. Yep, exactly. But, and, and look very similar in terms of the, the community. So they're not that far off. I thought you meant the beavers and the ducks. Beavers and ducks don't look anything alike. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just the, the towns, the schools, yes. Yeah. No, I didn't go to BYU. And that, you know, my parents both converted to the church in their um, late 20s. And so... Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And so that... Um, right around the same time, I think maybe my dad was a year before my mom, but right around the same age. And so their outlook was, has always been, oh, he'll find his way, right? He'll find his way back to the church, and which, which is a healthier, well, A, they should not want anything for me besides what I want, but let's ignore that. Um, it was a very healthy relationship with he'll find his way which is you know if you believe it's the truth that's kind of the mentality to take right i'll if it is the truth then i'll discover it and i will come back um so i'm blessed there because it was they were they've always loved me um 
they've always still I've gone on the phone with her every couple I have a very close relationship with my parents they always supported me um, but they I knew they thought I was going to hell and they didn't like the way I was living my life so it's like I love them but in the end I know they want me to be different mm, that's a lot to carry around I didn't realize and I always wondered why I was so angry and hurt um, and I never knew because I was like, my life's so good, right? We weren't rich at all. I mean, my dad's peak of his career. My mom never worked because it was important for my dad to have her be home with us. She was a substitute. Uh, she was teacher, but substitute teacher through our childhood. But um, you know, his peak salary was like forty eight thousand bucks or something like that. We didn't. I mean, we didn't. Yeah, a family of five, so I mean, things were tight. Um, but. The, you know, but I still, we had a good, we went, we did, we did some road trips and camping, went to Disneyland. I mean, I lived a life better than 99.9% of the globe, really. So, you know, I, I didn't feel right complaining, yet here I felt just pain, pain. And, um, yeah, looking back, it just, it, it almost brings tears to my eyes thinking about it because I think of me now with a, a nine-year-old next to me, I would never dream of doing anything to harm the potential that this young human could become one day. I just, I'd, I would do everything. I, I'd sacrifice for a stranger, a nine-year-old stranger. I'd sacrifice my own life and happiness for theirs. Uh, I think everybody might. Um, there's just something so beautiful about someone with untainted potential who can, who can do anything. So it's like, man, if I could just teach them what I know now, um, they could become this thing. So yeah, it was a big burden. Do you think I carry if, to this day. if the person you are now had had the conversation with the nine-year-old you, that the nine-year-old you would have found relief or listened, or do you think it would still have been a process? I think that at a certain point, the narrative was what it was, and I was the one telling myself the narrative. I think there was a point in time where my parents let it go i think the world let it go i don't think anyone cared but me but the narrative was i'm shit this is all i've got here because i'm not going to heaven and um whatever became the narrative and so it was well fine that i'm going to do this and so my life's quest came to prove to everyone that okay i might be going to hell but let me show you what i'm made of right now right and so I shifted into that kind of fuck you fuck everyone forgive my language but that was kind of the that was my thing was fuck everyone and i literally everyone and i thought i was justified in that but i'm i learned now that no if i would have told nine-year-old roland that everything was going to be okay he, he made up his the, the narrative was taught to him by that point in time from whoever taught him that and he, he had his mind made up that he was not good enough not seen and so he, i think i told myself the story i don't think anyone else was saying it the whole time <laughs> that's so fascinating i find it intriguing also that you decided to go into a field in, in college to study the physical body <laughs> you know it's a once removed from what was really going on i just how our brain comes to things it's really so interesting to me well you're always trying to find it is interesting because you're always trying to find you know the brain the the, the brain is just it, it's 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 
incredible the stuff that it does to avoid feeling pain incredible i mean incredible the stuff we could do 12 podcast series on just the my not even would be 24 podcasts if we both shared but um just my experiences with the lies that i have told myself to avoid feeling pain right i mean i spent three hundred and sixteen thousand dollars getting a doctorate level education in physical therapy to i don't know the narrative was okay fine if i if i do this then no one can deny my success right and then i'll i'll heal people all day so i can't be worthless if i'm taking pain away from people all day right and it's just this you find yourself in a career that you're maybe not even cut out for all on this hope of this is it this is the thing right and um until you heal the pain it's still there i don't care what how many degrees you have <laughs> absolutely how was the pain manifesting itself in your life at that point what were you doing was it more self-motivated or did you act outwardly? Good question. Um, it's funny because the world was loving what I did to get out of pain. They loved it. So I, my first kind of thing was bodybuilding. So if you do, unfortunately, you Google my name, it's maybe one day my coaching will become big enough. But right now for the bodybuilder, I was bodybuilder for seven years competitively. And so those pictures are seven years of being hit on uh, on Google as a search for bodybuilding. So it's going to take a big reputation to mask that. But anyways, um, <laughs> so that was my first, that was the first thing that I was because I'm not athletic. So that was the first thing I was good at. And I got attention for it. People started, I got a lot of attention for it, a lot. I mean, I went from kind of a nobody really. I was always pretty shy to, oh no, we don't mess with him. Cause I got, I, I took it seriously. I mean, I was glued to the computer learning everything you could about transforming my body. And I went from yeah, 128 pounds to, Oh, my biggest was 244. So, I mean, I added, I just, I just, I did everything right. I slept 10 hours and never missed a meal. I um, wouldn't even eat a cheese. It as a, as a 14 year old kid, I didn't break any of the rules. I, I did everything down to a science. So that was my first experience with channeling my anger for lack of a better word in a way to achieve something and i know how many um, people understand too that by dedicating yourself that's exactly what it is it's dedication you have very little time for any outside no family no friends no lovers no nothing well and it was an unbalanced life if you want and here's the funniest part i love that you i love that you went there susan because the that dedication while the world admired it and they did they couldn't believe it like i would come to school as a 15 year old kid and eat chicken breasts and broccoli and multiple times of the day in my breaks too because you got to eat every two hours right so um right people admired the dedication they admired the and it's it became my identity and i'll tell you what i was more pissed off participating in that sport for seven years than maybe any other phase of my life because it became my identity and people oh Roland how much what show are you doing this year how much weight did you gain this year what how did you place in that competition this year it was my identity that's what I was and um 
when I finally didn't want to make it my life anymore, I couldn't because everyone was counting on me. It was, it was who I was. And so if I quit, I would be quitting on me. And so I couldn't quit. And so I stayed in for a long, 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 long time. And yes, was it unhealthy? Absolutely. I had a borderline narcissistic um, kind of, you know, people throw that word around too lightly. A real narcissist is actually, I don't know if any of us have ever met one. They're really a sick person, but um, people. But, you know what I mean? And so, but it did, it created, because it's a solo sport, it created a very um, self centered. And then so paired with the anger, the insecurity, and the desire for attention and approval, it was like the perfect storm for a um, what would look like a narcissist. I thought I was becoming one at one point and got kind of scared. I would then later realize that, yeah, it was just kind of the accumulation of feeling like shit about yourself, wanting attention, and then being trapped in pain, and then getting trapped into an identity that you don't want anymore. So... Um, that amplified the pain I hurt worse during that whole time than, than ever before. It made it worse, way worse. How'd you get out of it? The loop. <laughs> yeah, it was just a, another perfect situation to exit. Um, I was graduating from undergrad, going into physical therapy school, so now spending way more money and needing a lot more time to get through a very grueling program. Um, and so... Yeah, the things all lined up. I got out of a very serious relationship with someone I thought I was probably going to be with forever. We just ended up doing distance, and that is a hard thing. It didn't work. Um, so, yeah, it was just accumulation of, like, a lot of change. And, um, yeah, just a, it was like a little blip, little window. And it's so funny, human beings. We just want permission to do that thing. And we have known it for maybe three, four, five, six, seven years that we want out of this marriage or this, um, you know, we're changing, experimenting with our sexuality or whatever it is. We want this permission. We just want it so badly. And so, yeah, that little window of, oh, wow, maybe I can. Oh, I dove in. It just shows you how much pain I was in. I was, I was like, ah, here's my spot. And I changed everything, completely dropped it and became a different person. Um, didn't drop the pain <laughs> just transitioned into what was my first entrepreneurial journey and that was oh okay how am I going to open up my own franchise of basically physical therapy clinics because if I own a business and I make a bunch of money then there's no one can doubt how how important I am because I will not only have achieved this education but I will have millions of dollars and so then I'll matter Right. That was the new story. So then I rock and rolled with that for, um, yeah, seven years. <laughs> All before you were 30. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I got really I got after it. I mean, I got out. of. I, I was laser focused um, on it was easier to be. I, I, it's funny. People always pat me on the back, if you will, for my tenacity and dedication I would never take that as a compliment because it was just in my DNA. And at the time, I just, it was never a compliment for whatever reason. Now, on this new journey I'm on, I know why I didn't take it as a compliment because I, go, I think deep down I knew I was using it as a way to avoid pain. 
So that tenacity and dedication, it was, oh, okay, I'm going to be obsessed with this one thing. And so in every ounce of downtime, I can dream or think or plan about that one thing. Because then I don't have to be me. I can be that. And so, yeah, I think when people tried to say, oh, we admire your dedication, we admire your tenacity, we admire your focus, I knew it was a drug. And so I wouldn't let them pat me on the back because I think part of me knew it was all bullshit. So during this time with this, I I can't quite tell yet if it's a hyper awareness or a subtle awareness that the pain is existing, but you're, you're sort of still treating it like an outside being like a Tyler Durden sort of thing going (laughs) on. Uh, I mean, did you tuck it in bed at night and say, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. Was there this sort of idea that this is this person over here and this is me over here and we're integrated, but we're not, I'm keeping it separate because it's not yet. Yeah. Okay. Not yet. That didn't happen until uh, about three years ago. Um, no, I was inventing subconsciously. So yes, we were separate. And yes, thinking back to it, you are absolutely correct. That was what was going on. I just didn't know. I thought I had no awareness of it. I thought that that was my thoughts. Oh, do this. Do this, then you'll get this. Do this, then you'll get this. So to me, it was like that was just the brain telling you what to do was what I thought it was. Um, But you are correct. Um, I started, my first kind of epiphany was, I can't remember who said it. It was, I think it was my first coach. So I knew I was in enough pain and I was tired of being in enough pain. So I hired a coach finally. Um, What kind of coach? Business coach. So I, I, it was funny. We were on the phone and yeah, all I did was brag about how successful I am. And, oh, there's probably nothing you can do to help me because I make all this money and I don't know what you're going to do, blah, 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 blah. And because um, I, because I was obsessed with, I mean, the business was, was squeaky clean. It was a great business. Still is. I still own them back in Oregon. And, um, so finally, being a good coach, he goes, cool, sounds like you got all figured out. So why are we on the phone? And uh, I always love when people are honest with me. I've, I've always been non-defensive and non-offended because um, I think deep down I know that I'm living, I'm, I, someone needs to save me. Um, so I think I wasn't defensive because I hated that person I was too. So I, was, I would never defend him because I hate him just as much as that comment does. Um, so I hired a business coach to remove me from my business and, um, and, it, and, it, and it worked and it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because we did a lot of other work, not because the business was squeaky clean. So we never did any business work. It was always emotional intelligence, really. Um, so, but he said the, the first moment was, I basically had this epiphany where it's like, well, no wonder I'm miserable because all I'm doing right now is trying to make more and more money and grow my business. So why would I have a stellar relationship? Why would I have a stellar faith-based system? Why would I have a um, hobbies? Why would I have all these things that I want that I don't have and I'm mad that I don't have them? It's like, well, what are you doing to live the life that would have those? Because it sure looks like all you ever do is obsess about making more and more and more and more money as if that's going to somehow create this life um so that was the, that was the first like epiphany of holy crap i've invented 
someone that I hate. Wow, that's really fascinating. And and do you think that your coach knew all along that that was going to be the case? Did he have a bit of a wink and a into it? I think everyone knew, and it's a little embarrassing, honestly. Now that you mention that, um, I am. I'm embarrassed of the people that I met during that phase because I part of emotional intelligence, depending on the book that you buy. One of the one of the exercises is to kind of uh, imagine yourself as like a hawk circling above and watch yourself in a social circumstance. Uh, another exercise was go to a social circumstance where you usually would talk a lot and you're very comfortable and don't say anything. I mean, respond, but don't start any of the conversation. Just watch. Um, so I did those two things at the embassy suites in Alexandria um, at a conference that I attend frequently and yeah, it was hard for me to watch because I saw things I didn't want to see. And um, so, but to answer your original question, yes, I think he knew, but I think everyone knew. I think people saw me and if they spent enough time with me, they liked me because I, I'm a very honest, open person. So they would see glimpses of, oh, it's just a guy trapped in this body. <laughs> um, I don't know if they knew it that clearly, but I think they all thought, oh, he's a good dude. He's just full of shit. He just likes to, he, he's just, he's just saying, doing all that stuff to get a rise out of people. And I, I was, but I don't know if I had that much. Um, I don't think I had any control over it. So, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, he knew. I think a lot of people knew. I think it was. I don't think it was that hard to see. I think. I think you took one look at me and knew. But I don't care who you are. I think you took one look at me back in those days. You knew. You knew this guy. There's something more going on. He's 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 trying way too hard. I think that's an important thing to point out, and that. Generally speaking, when you meet some, I'm talking about the royal you, meet somebody that appears to be a blowhard or to speak so highly of themselves or, you know, we know that's masking pain. People, people don't act like that unless they are putting up, that's, that's their bricks, right? They're building that wall to keep you out. Uh, look at look at the me over here that I've designed out of Legos. Isn't it shiny and bright and cool and, and super awesome? And if you're looking at this avatar, you won't see me. Mm-hmm. And I, it's so hard to give empathy to our fellow humans, even harder, as you attest, as we can all attest, because I, I think that we've all been on this journey in some way or another. Uh, empathy for ourselves is the hardest mm-hmm. one. to. That's the hardest hurdle. Well, my, my first mentor, not first, second, I guess, um, but had a massive impact on me. He was a little small town guy, and so he said it all redneck, and he said, Roland, if you're, you know, you'll be, if you're, if you're nothing to yourself, you're nothing to nobody. And I love, I love his little spin on it right there, because it just brings me back to thinking about him, but um I never really knew, I mean, I knew what the context of it was, but I never really felt like much that statement until I started to understand that, um, you know, it's not a mystery why the world's kind of shit going the way that it's going. Um, We are all, our 
our strongest drive as humans is to feel safe. Strongest drive. We will do crazy stuff, reflexive stuff to, I mean, I know this studying medicine, it's we have reflexes to keep us safe. It is like the strongest thing in us. We will find a way to live, to get shelter, to, we will find a way. Um, you know, Benjamin Franklin, I think he said when human beings are capable of almost anything when they're uncomfortable. Um, I can't remember if that was him or someone else, but um, so yes, it's it, it, you cannot it, I have a whole new, I used to be a very judgmental person and, and angry and, and whatever. I will tell you right now, I have a almost a borderline unhealthy amount of empathy. I, I have no enemies. Now I, I can look at someone, you can be being terrible. And I just, the first thing that my brain goes to is oh my gosh, I, what can I do to, to help you? Because, you know, I watched the, you know, not to bring it up, I know it's a sensitive subject, but the president, when I watch him, because I'm so, I, I study emotional intelligence. <laughs> he lives in, but think about it, think about it. I mean, let's, let's walk back. Because here's the thing, you can watch, um, you can go back to his earlier days. He's a different person. He's not as, he's not as jaded and tainted yet. Um, he's still got a little bit of his delusion going on because I mean, but do you blame him? I mean, you grow up in an environment like that. That's just your projection of the world. So there's no fault of his own. It's just, you see it with a lot of these documentaries of people who live in that world. I mean, you're exempt from the law. You get whatever you want. Um, so it becomes your projection of reality. So yes, does he have control over it? Okay, sure. But at the same time, that's your reality and the pain in their shoes, A, it's the same as our pain. I think everyone experiences the same pain a ton to us, whatever it is, we're, we're hurting. Um, no one's going to empathize with the guy because he's a multi-billionaire and he's not working very hard to modify his behaviors and his speech. Um, he just gets angrier and angrier and angrier and louder and louder and louder. So our empathy goes down because it's like, well, yeah, you might know. And we know he knows because he, as the angrier these people get, the harder they try. And so we know, but it's like, you know, it's... It, I do. I empathize for him because when I see him, I see someone who is desperately trying anything to feel relevant and nothing's working. No amount of money. He's the president and it's still not working. I mean, nothing is changing the narrative that he's telling himself, which is I was given a good life and I'm living this life because of the resources that I had. And he knows that. And so, therefore, I don't think any of his creations are fulfilling him. And it's likely he was pretty psychologically abused growing up. Oh, but, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Clear. The, the, the issue, again, and you said it, it's like, when do... This is why it's so great to have you on the show, because you are saying there's that idea, when is it a choice? Everything is a choice. Everything we do is a choice, for sure. But that doesn't mean it's a conscious choice. In fact, many of our con many of our choices, I think, are made from an unconscious place. Mm -hmm. And I think of it like um, 
like in a movie, uh, like a superhero movie or something, and the villain is being forced to look at itself in a mirror, and then somebody else holds up another mirror, and there's like 400 mirrors facing them, and then the laser beam comes and then blows up this person, and then at the at the base of the is just a tiny infant screaming its head off, wanting to be held. But it's so hard to find empathy for people that are so truly not wanting to touch that. So, so think about it this way, because this is how I have empathy now for everyone. Not in a codependent. I'm not running around throwing ten. You know, I still tell them no. I ain't giving you ten bucks because I know the ten bucks ain't going to change the situation. That there's bigger things that I can do to help the homeless problem, right? So I'm not saying I'm running around like bleeding my heart out everywhere, but I do. I I, I look at these. So, so here's a tip that I would do, because I do believe unless we can heal that spite, it's going to perpetuate the problem just as bad as even though you feel like your view is better. One of the ways that I first started doing this journey was I connected. I'm still working with him. So I have two coaches right now. I have one coach who coaches my business. And I have another coach who's coaching my brain, basically. Um, and it's been fun working with him because it's funny. I hired him to teach me how to better help my clients because my clients are high achievers. They don't need the business advice. They're going to succeed no matter what they know how to make money and connect. It's that's, and if you know how to make money and connect with people, like you're just going to be successful one way or another. It doesn't mean you're going to live the life you want, but you'll financially be successful. Um, so when they hire me, they want something deeper. They don't know this yet, but that's what they want. Um, and sometimes we get there faster than others. Sometimes we don't. A year will go by and we're still working on the business, but that's okay. It's all when they're ready to, to see. Um, and so the first, I like my coach said it this way. He goes, our first lie started the moment we were born. You were given a name by someone else that wasn't yours. And it's interesting now doing all this work that it's so funny. It's like, wow. And then, the, and then from that day, the lies began, right? You're a boy, you wear blue, you... Um, hold the door open for her it's just start oh going on and on right oh I heard a mom today it pained my heart almost like got I was taking my dog to the dog park and a girl threw sand in her brother's face okay not nice thing to do and her mom goes what's wrong with you and it's just it's funny that that is that's the question that she felt like asking um because the answer to that question was really not what she wanted. So to ask that question is you're trying to hurt her feelings. That's, that's, I mean, you, you're, there's something wrong with you for doing this. When in reality, she felt hurt unseen. Maybe she could do different parenting strategies to feel like they, she can, um, not play for you know what she, there's there's things that led to that behavior so what's wrong with you my reaction was what's wrong with you not even your parenting but if you felt like saying what's wrong with you to your child that comes from a place and um so being curious about that but anyways this is a tangent but the point is the lies start at the moment we're born and it's just a series of lies over and over and over and um 
to go back to the president. He likes his delusion. He's never wrong. He has all the answers. So why would he want to leave his delusion? The only thing that's going to help, and I know this because I was at the top. I had retired at 29. I, 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 things were good. Life was great. I had everything I'd ever dreamed of, plus more. Um, but I wanted, I was still in pain. So I, that's why I left the delusion, was this is exhausting trying all the time so that's what i ask myself now is donald ever going to do that probably has and we don't know who knows right we don't know what he's doing behind the scenes we don't know how, many, how, how if he cries right we don't we don't see that so who knows but the point is the only time you'll leave a delusion as a, as a powerful wealthy person is if you're hurting so much that you are finally like it rips okay. you open. It has I give to rip up. you open. Well, like, what's the what's the psychological term? Um, you they they use it in the um, AA. Um, you surrender, surrender. surrender. Yeah. Yeah, a, you yeah. surrender and say, you know what? I can't yeah. do this. It, it is interesting because I said the word powerless. You said surrender. I like surrender much <clears> better. <throat> I think that that actually the most power you can have is surrendering. And I talk about Absolutely. I talk about this on the show all the time. That moment at the beginning of the Wizard of Oz when uh, the witch is putting surrender Dorothy in the sky, and Dorothy takes that as a threat. When in fact, it could be the most loving gesture in the world. It's like just surrender. You went through. She went through all this work to get to the end to find out that she had it all along. Right. This metaphor of if you just surrender to it. It will be so much easier, and that's where the power is. But my God, it's, as you can attest, as I can attest, it's a very tough place to get to. It takes mm -hmm. a lot it's a, of work. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's more painful than the delusion a lot of the time because we're so good at dodging pain. So it's, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not only hard and a lot of work, but it's painful to go there. So everything in you tells you not to. I think that's why no. so many people are on the internet saying, oh, you know, the cabal of baby eaters, the this, the that, the humans. Mm -hmm. And instead, because if they're screaming about these things going on, yes, the world can be quite atrocious. But I noticed that most of them that I've asked, they don't volunteer. They don't go, you know, uh, do you know, do big brothers or big sisters. They don't do any of the action that might alleviate that suffering. They sit in their house and scream at the top of their lungs on their internet. And I think that they're doing that because one, it keeps them from having to touch whatever pain they have. It's become this conduit again, the avatar, this this other place to to just channel all this pain. Right, whose job is it then? Right, if it's not, if you're not going to do anything about it, then what are you insinuating with all of your hate? Right, what's the who needs to do it? I, I have I have to hide a lot of my political views. Um, my all, all of my tires would be slashed if people knew, especially down here in California, if people knew my beliefs on how the world could become better because they so strongly disagree and they tell themselves a narrative that says oh you are just saying that because you're you have money you're just saying that because you don't want to pay taxes and it's like 
No, I am a believer of sustainability and you cannot write checks until you have a positive balance sheet. So if we want to sit down at the table and agree as whatever your beliefs are to find a way to pay for everything, we can have a social system for the healthcare. We can pay, help these kids out with college. We can start loosening up the border so that other countries undergoing genocide and right. war, uh, war uh, we can take these people in without it burdening the country because I think the the real thing right now that's created the divide is this it's not even the politics it's this blame game of oh you're rich you need to pay for it and then the rich people saying okay I Yes, but at the same time, are you going to keep asking for more next year? Because it's like you need to choose. Do you want to open the border? Or do you want free health care? Like you got to tell me what you want right now because we can't just do it all next year. There's not enough wealthy people to pay for it, right? right? Go behind and the, so, the, the grocery stores and open a locked dumpster and see all the food that yeah, gets thrown out. Yeah. And then, well, exactly, and then right? People starving, you know, in this country of which there are many. Well, that's that. Thank you for saying that. That's the funny part is here we are, our heart, it's fashionable for our hearts to bleed for these individuals in uh, Mexico who want to come participate in America, which why wouldn't you? It's, it's a, there's a lot more opportunity to, to I, I get it. I would want to come up there here too, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, but then it's always so funny because it's like, well, what are we doing to, you know, a lot of friends who are in education and it's like, man, this system, every time I talk to them, it's like six more kids in a class and then six more and then six more. And then mm, these kids can't, they're not being taught that way. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's yeah, yeah. Hard it's hard for it's, one teacher to teach 60 kids, and it's even harder for one teacher to pay for school supplies because there's not enough. Well, and, and school buses here in California are based off of, well, they don't say it's needs-based. You have to pay for it, but it is needs-based because the people who need to come to school can ride the bus without paying but like my brother had to pay for his kid to get on the, you know if you have the means to pay for the kid to get good on the bus i didn't even know, you know that was I'm, just, thing. I'm just like what on earth and here you know so it's it's exhausting um you see it now in the personal improvement world too it is you now get a gold star for posting a motivational quote on your which, by the way, that someone else wrote and his name's on there. But now you get a gold star because it's like, oh, I choose I choose love, not hate. It's like, actually, you're one of the bitchiest people I know. But anyways, um, but, but, but you do. You get a gold star for, um, forgive me, I'm not, I don't mean this to be, but you, I'll just say voting. You get a gold star for, oh, I voted for this and I aligned myself with this belief system. That way I'm a better person than these other people. You know, and it's Which like it's into the one thing that you're not that you're complaining. You know, my my best friend and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we choose to love each other. And Why wouldn't you? We, yeah, exactly. We. Why you wouldn't know. you? It's nothing's going to get accomplished if actually if you both work together, you'll accomplish twice as much because one person typically you need there, there's a reason for this two party system and it's healthy. It's healthy. Abraham to Lincoln surrounded himself with people that n did not agree with him <laughs> at all. In fact, well, he that was fought, the purpose, right? Exactly. But isn't that the the 
And that's where having it, it comes back to full circle again, Susan. Full circle. It comes down to if you aren't happy with your own life, your own decisions, and you find life is just ending and you were dealt a bad hand or whatever your excuse is, um, oh, my husband treats me like garbage, blah, 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 whatever the narrative is, um, that will that carries, o- carries over into your Facebook life and your political views, and it turns into this, um, you're just trying to, the whole world is a bunch of drunk 40-year-old people trying to gossip and feel validated. That's what those posts are. Those posts have nothing yeah, those posts have nothing to do with I have very strong beliefs on what's best for at least this country. It's very hard to cross borders because it's very different everywhere. It's even different state to state. It's why I typically vote for more power for states to make more decisions because we see states being more progressive in ways that help their local communities better. Um, but it's... It's... Um, That's why we're called a republic. <laughs> I know, it's healthy. It's supposed to be this way. Um, but it, it's, it's funny to see they're just... I have very strong views. You will never see me post anything online because I don't just don't see the benefit. Why would I post something about um, taxing something else? What's what's the? I, I get it. Here, here's what the other parties would say: was Oh, you need to be part of the change. It goes, Yeah, I believe that. But I think I can make more of a change in a different platform that can actually produce change. Whereas a Facebook comment doesn't allow anyone to get more information. It doesn't allow someone to migrate to another platform to help solve the problem. It was typically a politically opinionated comment that and it makes one person very very yeah. wealthy. one <laughs> yeah. person very wealthy one person is counting right. on us arguing on facebook one yeah. person alone and that's mark well it's <laughs> it's yeah well, well for real and it, it is and it's it's you know it's always funny to me everyone always talks about as if like this matters but they're like oh even apple and facebook want um hillary and i'm like why would you even use that as a pro in your box? A multi-billion dollar company wants one thing, their stock price to go up. They're going to give, they're going to vote for the candidate who's going to make sure that that happens. And if that is someone on the right next year, then they're going to support that. It's just, it's so funny that that would be like, that's your, you're going to use that as your firepower to like justify this vote. I'm like, what are you, the, the, the disconnect between doing real posting a motivational quote doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't. And you can read all the self-help books you want. Getting better for what? I mean, what are you getting better to do? I mean, at a certain point, you can prepare to be better and awaken yourself. But at a certain point, like, isn't the, isn't the point to do something one day? I mean, can you do you get any points for... Do you get any points for 
how many self-help books you read? I mean, is that the game? Is the game to become really knowledgeable and helping yourself? It's a good question. Uh, you said something earlier about, you know, the people in the unhappy relationships for years and years and years. And I think about how people behave. They'll do something that will really force the hand of the other person in the relationship. Sometimes it's friendships, lovers, work, whatever. Um, so that they are the passive. It's still the outcome they want. But they don't understand is that they actually controlled that scenario the whole time. They've never given up control. They just manipulated the situation so that the other person acted. It's fascinating. It's that. so fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, and I've destroyed relationships that shouldn't have been destroyed through, yeah, having a, having an agenda. I mean, how sad is that to be in a relationship with a personal agenda? I mean, it's, that's why it's, it is, you know, I, I counsel, you know, and there is no right age because honestly, one would argue that people are not even any more woke when they're 30 as they were when they're 20. Um, you wake, you wake when you want to wake for one, and then you wake up when you want to, and you are willing to do the work. So that could happen in your, when you're 18 years old could happen when you're 63 years old it's there's no telling when it's going to happen but i you know one thing you know the divorce rates higher not because people want to get divorced not because they need to get divorced they're higher because people are less woke and in more pain now than ever and so the fastest way to do it is to say oh, I married the wrong person or this person brings out this in me. And it's like, okay, that was probably true. Um, but you're either just going to keep getting in broken relationships or keep getting divorced until you decide what it is that you're about. Because I mean, I really think that a successful relationship is can only occur when you're sold on what you are doing what you believe and what you're about and i think if you can't sell that to yourself you're never going to be able to sell that to anyone else until you know what you're about and you love what you're about you're you're going to be defensive um and you're not going to let love in in the way that it should it's that it's that self-awareness and self-love that needs to to happen i'm not the first person to say that you pick up a love book in the 80s and it says love yourself on it it's just it always i think ourselves and i think oh yes absolutely people get married for the same reason they get divorced well people have kids for the same reason they get married and divorced this whole trying to belong fit in feel safe feel feel like something happened and unfortunately people are getting married buying houses and having kids when it's like wow those are three massive decisions that now make everything else you would do in your life very difficult it's like why are we not stopping and thinking about who we get married to who we um where we buy at home and who we um bring into the when we have kids yeah because it creates generational pain as well why are we here? And, it's, and, and, you know, a lot of people have a grim outlook on the future. And I always disagree with that because that's such a archaic, ancient way to think about things. And it's a very powerless way to think about things. But um, that's why, because we, we're not solving our pain anymore. We're creating more of it, it seems. That's that <laughs> right? distraction. Uh-huh. That's just all it is. It's, it's smoke and mirrors, man. It's 
the whole thing. So where, where are you now? So I am in San Diego, California, and I am choosing to be here because part of my three freedoms is time, money, and location. And the fourth freedom that I say only people who understand is relationships. Um, because some people think I'm one of those, and that's not what I'm saying. What, um, what? what does that mean? Oh, I, I just, I can abuse relationships as a way to feel, you know, that's not what I mean, freedom of relationships. I mean, you associate with the people who bring out the best in you and align with your best and that's and that's your choice you don't need to hang out with your mom if your mom's a shitty person you don't need to hang out with you, you don't need to you don't need to stay in your marriage if they're not allowing you to thrive it's so so freedom of relationships but so freedom of locations um been the newest quest for me because the first one was money second one was time and then now i am trying to practice freedom of location so i live out of two suitcases and i change places every uh, couple months and i was supposed to be everywhere but the united states but now i am not welcome because of my passport i cannot go anywhere it doesn't matter if you were in the u.s or not in the u.s if you are a u.s citizen no one besides mexico wants you in there right now because of our covid numbers we are officially <laughs> a shithole country <laughs> yeah we're actually right we're, we're shunned who would have thought it's so funny it, it is it's really it's actually really funny to look you know, I'm a traveler, and so I'm pretty aware of um, conflict between countries and blah, 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 blah. But it's really funny to, like, go on websites now and see, like, countries that have loosened up a little bit and see the U.S. on, like, the banned list. I think it's hilarious. It's like, oh, yeah, everybody can come in but you. That's a great <laughs> example of how fear gets projected into mm -hmm. manifestation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, you, you nailed it. It's, 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 it's fear. Everyone is scared right and now it's an of everything. You know, our you know the president saying all these things are evil, all these countries are evil. Keep them out, keep them out, and then we become <laughs> the one that's kept out of everywhere else. It manifested itself out of fear, and it never ends up looking the way you think it's going to. If it comes from a place of fear, yeah. Well, it's it's oh yeah, it's it's well, it's not fear activates. The, here's why fear activates those different things in each person and so when you spread the fear it activates in different people different ways i do different things some people when they get scared buckle down lock up close up shut down protect i don't when i get scared i think holy smokes i need to be more abundant i need to try harder i need to um and so yeah you the effect is not, you can't predict what's going to happen. So listen, get, learn, don't use fear. <laughs> when I get scared, I have to poop. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Exactly. You're like, oh, hold on a second. I need to go. Oh, I love that. It's priceless. <laughs> that's a good, healthy reaction, I suppose. Stay regular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's that thing. It's like, I need to be lighter right now so I can run. <laughs> Run. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the um, light conversation. I a lot of the podcasts I do. This is, my passion is um, my passion is human psychology and behavior, but not in the scientific way that's hard for people to grasp. I think my gift to this earth is to be able to speak to a money motivated, materialistic uh, millennial and show them through 
really my example, but then also a lot of tangible proof as to you can be happy the moment that you want to tap into this awareness and start doing real work, right? Real work that matters where you make a massive impact rather than, you know, selling a home, well, forgive me realtors if they're, uh, but selling a home is just selling a home. So how could you, I'm not saying quit your job, but I'm saying how can you bring more of you into your industry? Because you could, you could help other realtors. You could help educate the population of how to improve their credit score to become a homeowner. You could reform home lending in your country and make it uh, easier for there's so many ways to lend your belief system to the industry that you understand and um so that and then combining that with human behavior human psychology that's i could talk about that stuff for days because it's really not as complicated we all have these skill sets and we all love each other whether we whether we believe it or not and so i think if we can just make the focus loving each other and then lending your skill set and unique ability to those that want it the right people not everyone because some people aren't going to want your you and that's okay this that's their job and it's your job to have enough security in yourself and your product to carry on and find the person that does need it so um i appreciate you having me on this is a refreshing it's nice to get away from the business podcasts and talk to people who well, I'm glad. And, you know, it's interesting because when we were connected on LinkedIn uh, and I looked at your your profile and uh, and we started communicating and you told me a little bit about what you do. And I was like, tell me more. I was trying to get to the heart <laughs> of you. And then when when we had that moment, there was like, ah, there it is. That's the thing. That's the place. Well, it's, it's funny because I, you know, I wish I could be more authentic with people. But the problem is people want to know how you're going to solve their problem. And so they want to see things that they know and understand, which is being frustrated, being free, making more money, and living a life by design. Now, what they don't know is, oh, man, get ready for that journey. That's a, what you're asking for. Yeah, it sounds simple, but you basically just, those are your three wishes from the genie. I mean, and they are, it is a lot of work to live a life by design that's fulfilled it takes a lot more than millions to, to live that life. You could have all the money in the world and that does not entitle you to um, living a life you're going to enjoy. How can people find you, Roland? Best way is the website, rollandcochran.com. Um, my team will set up a um, rollandcochran.com slash a human podcast tool for people who are interested in finding ways to lend your unique ability to the marketplace. Perfect. Thank you for that. That's a sweet gift. Yes. I appreciate oh, that. yeah. Everyone wants to know. It's my, like I said, that's my, everyone always wants to know. Cool. Love it. How do I put it into place in my business? And it's I've created a tool that people can use to try and make those connections. And I'm always, I'm uh, email away from people who are like, cool, did it, still don't know. And I'm like, did you actually do it? And then like, well, kind of. And I say, all right, we'll do it again. And then we'll get on the phone call. And uh, I love talking to people about it. It's great. Yeah. And if you would, I'd love for you to email me some books that I can put yeah. links on at heyhumanpodcast.com for people yeah, absolutely. that have reference and things like that. That would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. Thank I you, can think Roland. of two right now. You're yes. Yeah, and I wish you much success. This has been a fantastic yes. conversation. So I love it too. And I must go. I have my, I got to talk to my coach to fix uh, my brains here in eight minutes. So right. I'll talk to you soon. Be well. Thank you. Bye, <laughs> Bye everybody. Season. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.